The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for being on our show and listening to us. And more importantly, thank you so much for being an intentional spirit. We love getting feedback from all of you out there and from the ways that you share our show. As you know, we offer tools rather than rules that support people, whether it's in joy, whether it's in physical issues and challenges, or whether sometimes it may be tragedy. I have as my guest today the featured Hay House author, Lily Leonardi. She is an incredible human being, dedicated to humanity. Welcome, Lily. And thank, thank you, you for Reverend. being thank you for being on our show today. It's truly a pleasure to have you. I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk with you and, and your listeners as well. Well, one of the things that you are uh, bringing to the awareness in in all of humanity is because you have such an up close and personal relationship with a day that really changed all of our lives, and that's the day that is nine eleven. And you've written a book in the shadow of a badge, nine eleven, a memoir about Flight ninety three, a field of angels, and your spiritual homecoming. To give everybody a bit of a background, um, let's talk about what you were doing before 9-11. Well, um, for uh, for many years prior to 9-11, uh, I was employed in the law enforcement profession. I started off as a municipal police officer in the early 1980s, and in the late 90s, uh, 1990s, I was uh, recruited and appointed uh, to serve with the uh, FBI, and primarily in the Pittsburgh Division and in the, in, and in the um, Community Affairs uh, Division of, of, of the field office. And at the time of 9-11, um, I was one of the first from my agency to uh, be deployed and respond to the Flight 93 crash site in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Now, Lily, did you grow up with officers, or what was it within your spirit uh, that brought you to the intention of being an officer in the first place? Was there some kind of plan? Had it been something that you had, you know, always aspired to be? How did that part of your life come into being? Well, when I was very little, I wanted to be a pediatrician. For some reason, I uh, migrated toward anything that related to to uh, to children and healing, it might have had to do with being one of ten children and one of the eldest, and the little ones were always getting hurt. And uh, my mom always had me go with her to the hospital because she said I had a calming effect on my little brothers and sisters <laughs> when one of them fell and needed stitches or you know broke a broke a bone or or whatever. But around fourteen, fifteen years old, um, I probably shouldn't say this to uh, on the radio, but Daddy's gone and he'll he'd laugh anyway, but. My parents were both educators. Um, my father was a, a, a middle school teacher, and my mother was a professor. 
and they had a, uh, a lot of rules as it related to what we were allowed to read. One of the books that was taboo back then was The Godfather. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so like a lot of teenagers probably, uh, both in my age and now, I kind of hid the book and read it at night with a little flashlight. And one night I got, um, I guess, busted by my dad. And he asked me why I violated, you know, the rule that he and mom had set forth. And I told him that I was fascinated by the book, not that re- as it related to the negative pieces, but how the FBI and that did the wiretapping and, you know, as part of the, as part of the, the, the storyline. So from that point on, I was uh, fascinated with uh, law enforcement and uh, I looked toward uh, a possible career. Uh, but uh, as, as life has it, I uh, got married very early and had my daughter. And it kind of waylaid that for uh, a number of years. So I went into the profession probably about uh, maybe 10 years later than most people would have. I just find that um, as such a gift because of, you know, who you are as a person and the fact that you've served in that capacity is pretty profound. I love in your book how it talks about how you always have found yourself living in both worlds, the the metaphysical and the physical. Um, we're going through a course right now here in our community where we're talking about darkness and and the events in the world and those kind of things and how to language that and how to speak about that metaphysically that we don't sound so Pollyanna, you know, that we lose our intelligence and how we respond to some of the horrific things that happen in our in our world. Um and I think that, you know, with what you're talking about, with the essence of your book of how you're in a physical world, but yet you're in the metaphysical. We know Jesus talked about being in the world, but not of the world. And and how we can, you know, guide ourselves through life. But it, it seems to me with the bit that I know about you that you've always been able to find, you know, that positive response to whatever is going on. And yet you found yourself being called to something that was so tragic with Flight 93, what were, kind of? could you kind of walk us through that that day and uh, the variation of of feelings that you you went through? Well, like most uh, that uh, learned of the events, I did so on television too. Um, I had, I was at the house uh, preparing for my day and, um, had a problem with my the bureau vehicle, so after I made a call uh, to the office and requested you know some help from the mechanic, I went back into the house to start making some calls uh, to cancel my morning meetings. And I had had the television on mute and looked at the screen, and I saw an image of Diane Sawyer. It was Good Morning America, and one of the towers that it looked like it was on fire and there was a gaping hole in it. So at first, like probably many, again, I thought it was a trailer for for an upcoming movie. So um, I hesitated for a minute and then flipped on the sound. And as soon as I did, she her words were, we just confirmed that a plane has struck the uh, one of the Twin Towers. And I thought, okay. And then she mentioned something about it being a passenger flight. And I knew... You know, after at that point, I had been in law enforcement about 17 years. So in my mind, that was not an accident. You could have seen if it was just, a, you know, a single-engine plane, maybe a, a privately owned but not uh, a passenger plane. And then, like, again, everyone else, within minutes, you know, we watched the second plane. And then that's when, uh, at, back then, we had pagers and uh, the pager... Uh, went off, and um, I, I began making some calls to the office. And uh, we were told that we were on hold pending orders from uh, FBI headquarters. And then I was put um, over to one of the uh, field office administrators and was told that they needed volunteers to go up to the Flight 93 crash site. So um, I reported into the office and was sent with two gentlemen 
up to from the off the agency up to uh, Shanksville. We went up by um, Pennsylvania State Police uh, escorted us up, and we took mobile command up. And I'm sure uh, most people are familiar with what mobile command is because they watch, you know, a lot of the shows. But it's basically where all the communication originates when you take when you go to a site and you're not sure as to what the capabilities. We knew there was a, it was a landfill, so no one knew at that point uh, how much ability you'd have to utilize the telephone, the electricity, any anything, uh, you know, any utility. So when we got there, the first impression for me was uh, along the side, the one, the passenger side that the fire. The firefighters were leaving, and they were, you know, in their vehicles and with all the apparatus. And you could tell that they were singed. You know, they had they were soot on on them. And then they had these haunting looks that um, I knew that it was probably going to be uh, not what I expected. It because the whole way up, I don't think we barely said two words to each other. And you you begin in your mind to, uh, you know, when you were trained. To prepare, and so I had an image of my head of what I would uh, what I would find. When we got to the site and and walked out, we went up on this this bluff. If you would look at the existing Flight 93 National Memorial, the bluff is where they planted presently is where they planted the 40 trees that represent the passengers and crew, and it overlooks the big rock that marks the actual uh, crash site. So we walked up on there, and all I remember was um, the first things were the smell, the pine tree and the diesel fuel, because the jet fuel head, uh, when it when the plane crashed, pushed forward and set off a fire, the forestation around it. And um, there were like three thoughts simultaneously that went through my head. One was uh, the linear part, as you'd said trying to find that balance. The the crash site did not look what I expected. I I thought there would be carnage in every direction. And here there were no uh, actual bodies. Uh, there was debris scattered, and you could see uh, things in the tree that are better left unsaid. And um, then there was the mother in me that couldn't help but think, how many moms weren't going to be able to say goodbye to their children or hug them again. And then the third piece was the spiritual part that was wondering how something so heinous could have been done in the name of God. And I began praying. So you're trying to keep that balance of the law enforcement professional, the mom who's worried about everyone's children, and then the uh, my spirit, my soul, calling out to God and praying for, you know, divine intervention that on a, you know, everyday world we, we, we pray to him and invoke him for help. And on that day in particular, just like what transpired in Washington, D.C. the other day, I think people turn toward their faith and, and, and beliefs uh, that there's a higher power that has the ability to, you know, to render, render aid. And so as we stood there, uh, we were kind of in the middle. There was another set of group of, of, of men to the left, a, a few of them. They were a couple of the field agents from one of our resident agencies. And off to the right were a couple of gentlemen that were either FAA or NTSB. And then kind of right smack in the middle were these little bodies of water. I don't know if they were man-made ponds or natural but I began to see like this flicker of light as I was praying. And at first I thought because of the, you know, the bright sunny day, it was fish in the pond and their scales were reflecting back and forth um, from the, you know, against the sunlight. And then the uh, light just kept getting brighter and brighter and drawing my attention to it. So when it, when I had full focus on the light, all of a sudden, it turned into um, a white mist and a real, very pristine white. Not, you know, not like a fog, but like the the, the purest white cloud um, is what it looked like. 
And so, again, the linear brain took over saying, get a grip, get a grip, get a grip. You know, don't, you're going to, um, don't tell anybody what you're seeing, you know, just, you know. So then I'm, I'm praying even harder because I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my mind here today. And then all of a sudden as I'm praying, the mist, the mist opened up and there stood what I call legion of angels. There were, there was, I don't even know how many there were. When I, the first thing that popped in my mind was a legion because the um, angels, I knew them to be archangels based on, you know, what their wings, and I was raised uh, devout Catholic, so there was a lot of, a lot of time that was spent in parochial school. Um, and there was one out front, they all appeared to be dressed in what I call Roman centurion garb, and that's why I called them a legion. And um, they, they looked to be female and male in their facial features. They all, you know, golden or brown hair. And there were so many of them that I couldn't even see the faces in the back rows. So in that instance, again, I, I thought, you know, that my, my mind was playing tricks on me, yet it was so clear, the, the, uh, the manifestation was so clear. And uh, the one out in front, the archangel in front, was the only one that had any weaponry that I could see. And he had a saber, and it was angled down toward the ground. So as that's happening, uh, you're still surveying, and then we got uh, got, uh, yelled at by the gentleman to our right, that we were uh, the, the fire looked appeared to be smoldering again and maybe reigniting, and um, that we were on hazardous material and we were in our street clothes. So they asked us to you know kind of fold fall back. So as that's going on, I'm 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 still praying and we start to move. As we moved forward, there was a suitcase on the ground. That was open, but all the uh, all the belongings were still intact. Just a hint of a singe, of you know, from the fire. And one of the men I was with made the comment about the suitcases intact were the bodies. And then I looked back, and I still saw the angels. So at that point, I asked God for a sign if I'm truly seeing these angels to let me know. Um, uh, that it is it, it, it's it's true it's what i what the the apparition the encounters is is true and we moved up a little further and there on the ground was a bible and um at that moment as almost simultaneously as i prayed this wind came in from nowhere and the bible blew open to what my recollection is psalm 23 the lord is my shepherd and at that point, again, one of the men made the comment about the Bible being intact, but there, where was the humanity? And all of a sudden, as that, the wind came out, this huge hawk picked up off the ground. And to some people, that might not be significant because, you know, we're in kind of like a, a forested area. But upon our arrival and to that point, there were no sounds of any animals. There were no bird sounds. There, were, there was nothing. So as the hawk took flight, I turned back one last time, and the angels were were gone. So I told myself not to uh, say anything to the men, to just keep quiet, do my job, and when the time came that I would would articulate to to someone uh, what I saw. And so just like all the other, I think we had about 1,200 responders that included, you know, service and, and health professionals and law enforcement and government entities. And, um, you know, I did what you, I was supposed to do for the next 12 days and worked in tandem and with um, so many others up there. But on the third day, I got assigned to work with uh, United Airlines and serve as their primary liaison between the law enforcement and government entities, and then had the privilege of of 
working alongside them to um, serve in the best interest of the surviving family members that were gathering for the memorial that were going to wow. take place. So, That's such a such a powerful uh, experience. I have I have so many questions. Um, we're going to take a a moment and we're going to go to break. I'd like to remind all of you that you can go to the website lilyleonardi.com and you can read her blog. She writes for the Huffington Post and you can also order her book or you can contact us at Wings Bookstore right here in the heart of St. Petersburg at Unity Campus. We'll be right back after this short break. Unity Online Radio is affiliated with Unity, a nonprofit organization specializing in prayer, publishing, and spiritual education. If you enjoy our programming and would like to support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now to make a contribution. You can make a one-time or recurring monthly donation. Thank you. Affirm the good that flows within you and stretch to reach your divine potential with daily inspirational messages from Daily Word. My affirmation of faith is, I release and I let go. I release my desire to control people or situations. I let go of fear, worry, and doubt. I trust in divine power, which is infinitely capable of establishing right outcomes. I align myself with this power through prayer and meditation. Opening my mind and heart to the wisdom of the universe, I recall the promise, I am with you always to the end of the age. With this assurance, I find the strength to let go of anything holding me back. Letting go and letting God is a choice. It empowers me to move forward with ease and confidence. It provides me peace of mind and the assurance of divine order. As I let go and let God, I open the door to infinite possibilities. Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. A one-year subscription to Daily Word digital magazine with audio is only $9.95. That's less than three cents a day to start your day right, centered and connected to the truth within you. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, Go to www.dailyword.com. The benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, Every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone, and we're into the depth of conversation with Lily Leonardi. Her book is In the Shadow of a Badge, having served as an officer for many years and then being called on September the 11th, 2001, to go to Shanksville, Pennsylvania to see and witness what was left of Flight 93. I love it in your book, Lily, where you have the image of an archangel. I'm just going to say the words that you spoke in this image. On that day, I saw a vision of an archangel laying down his sword and embracing his heart. I took it to symbolize the metamorphosis of humanity to a higher level of spirituality. The warrior was beckoned to lay down his weapon and move toward the light. 
and love of an open heart that is just so powerful. And I know that you and I are on the same page that we're we're holding that for our entire world now that there are different choices that are made and that we can understand that we can come from a place of light and darkness does not drive away darkness, as Martin Luther King would say, but only light and love can can do that. Um, Lily, you you're out there. You you know you've been an officer for over twenty five or thirty years, and you've had these probably these preconceived ideas of what you might see there, what you might experience. I I can't imagine all the things that were going through your mind and heart. But then you have this space of, well, there are a lot of angels. Had you had an experience with angels before in your life? Yes, but never, never that uh, that many. From the time I was a, a, a little girl, I uh, talked to, and I, I still see the Archangel Michael. So that's how I knew who it was in the front. Um, it's, it may be interesting to some of the listeners. Only three years ago, uh, this Christmas, three years ago, did I even openly talk to my mom about it. Be- and um, she had, it's our tradition that she comes to my house the day after Christmas and we have lunch and, and eat leftovers. And she knew that I was undertaking to publish um, the, the book. And um, she asked me some questions. She asked me, "Was did the book have anything um, negative about her and my relationship? And I said, Mom, I'm not a 16-year-old kid doing a tell-all. I'm a grown woman. You know, <laughs> Sarah would never disrespect you um, as part of the book. And then she asked me, was it about the angels? Because, you know, because at that point she knew um, the story. And I said, yes. And then she said something, is is it about the blue man? And I looked at her and I said to her, Mommy, how do you know about the blue man? And she said, well, by the, from the time you were three, four, maybe through seven years old, you would come downstairs at night. Sometimes Daddy and I were sleeping. You'd wake us up. Or sometimes we were sitting watching, you know, late night television. And you would uh, come down and say that the blue man was visiting to come up and say hello. So Daddy would always go upstairs with you. He'd look under the bed, open up the walk-through closet, look all around, and he'd say, there's nobody here. And you would insist that he was standing in the corner smiling at you. And I got very upset with my mother, and I said, why didn't you tell me? that I've been walking around for 50 years thinking I'd lost my mind, and then all this happened. And she said, well, back then, um, when you were a little girl, they would have, they would have thought you had, had were mentally ill. And I told her, well, it's been confirmed. I have post-traumatic stress disorder, so we don't have to worry about the, the stigma that goes, you know, goes along with it anymore. So she and I had a long conversation, and she shared with me. And then I told her about um, when my daughter's first uh, marriage was falling apart, she moved back home with a nine-month-old little girl who is my first the eldest grandchild, and for that uh, Jada, when she was old enough to start talking, she had a friend she called the Blue Man, and she would talk with him in the house and in the car. And so I told my mom that I said, "Then there's a generational uh, because Jada has seen uh, the Blue Man here in the house and in, and in the car when we travel." And um, I told her about an incident that happened. We were in South Carolina. Jada was about five. My daughter was uh, training down there. She she works uh, for the government, too. And um, we dropped her off at training. We're heading back to her hotel, and I got a little bit lost. And um, I told her not to worry that we would find our way, and she said, don't worry, the blue man's in the car, and he told me everything's going to be okay, and that pretty soon you'll see the sign after we go over the railroad tracks. And so I moved the rearview mirror, and I didn't see anyone, but she was clearly chatting away uh, with someone. So having gone through this myself, I didn't tell her, who are you talking? I didn't. I just, and within like two minutes' time, we crossed over these railroad tracks, and there was the sign 
to lead us back in the right direction. Uh. So I, I relayed that to my mom, and um, I think the next couple of days, I don't know if I cried out of relief or I cried, um, you know, knowing in, in my mind that maybe so much time had gone by and for a long period of that timeline I had maybe rejected um, and didn't allow myself to be as so open because I was afraid of being rebuked. And in my mind, I think, too, that's exactly what happened when I began to tell the story, you know, the things that went wrong with, uh, you know, with my employment. And um, so in a way, in those initial years, I felt almost as if I had been punished for telling the truth. And as my mom pointed out that day when I relayed to her, she said, you know, you of all the ten have always been very truthful. She said, if I would walk in the door and the lamp would be broken on the floor, I'd ask who did it, and you would say, I did, so what? You know, I always had a a smart uh, remark (laughs) after it. So she said, you were my most rebellious of the ten, she said, but yet you were the most honest. And Daddy and I always knew that there was something about... My father nurtured it a lot, but because he was so Catholic, he had a hard time making like a crossover that anybody other than a sainted, uh, you know, could could actually see. But yet the part of him that was open to it spent a lot of time uh, talking with me about angels, and he spent a lot of time sharing his beliefs with with all the, the the family, he and my mom, and spent uh, often referred to stories um, out of the Bible. In the latest blog that I did, um, I, it's, I called it the burden of responsibility, and sometimes how when you when you serve in the military, you serve in law enforcement, you almost have this superwoman or superman persona that thinks you can fix everything and prevent everything. And when bad things happen that you weren't able to aid or, or you weren't able to keep life from, you know, being injured or, or, or greatly harmed, I think it puts an extra burden um, upon, on, upon your soul. And um, I remember in one particular time that always comes back to me, I must have been about seven or eight, or nine years old at the most, and Daddy had just talked to us children about um, the Ten Commandments and how it was important to keep them. And I looked up at him and I said, I'll never be able to remember all of those. And he told me that if you just remember to never intentionally hurt another human being, then you'll live up to what God's asking of you. So every time these things happen, like on 9-11, you still have that that even though you'd been a you know a cop for a long time, you still have this innocence about you that has a hard time believing that what humanity does to each other. Um, it, it, it's still that part of me still has a hard time accepting um, that there's still terrible things that can't can't be prevented. And I, in talking to so many of the other responders, primarily from um, the World Trade Center site, um, I think for the most part, and and again, I won't speak on all their, you know, for all of them, but the the men and women I've spoken to, or even some of the police officers, uh, a friend that was just involved in a shooting where the the actor, you know, uh, she was responsible for the uh, firing and immobilizing him. And, and talking to her, would it, if you're raised to be a nice person, like most of us are, even when you do things in the best interest of everyone else, sometimes it's, it, it's still hard. It, 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 there's a burden to it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, There's no doubt about it. I I don't know if you're aware, but I have another foundation called Life Rights, Life Rights, Mm -hmm. um, that I created in 2008, and it's to offer education and awareness to the fact of 
if we sit in a place of ever choosing that we're going to be at a place of peace, that there must be a whole cultural shift in how we view the value of life. And it can be as profound and aware of we're not naturally supposed to kill our own. You know, that's one thing is seeing people now taking the lives of their children, their community, um, and those kind of things. So that's so not natural. There's nothing natural about that. Uh, to the profoundness of uh, how we treat our elder population, you know, or the helpless population, right? Whether they're elderly or whether they're children uh, that rely solely upon coming from the place of of uh, validation and, and truth. And it can be also just an awareness of of you being gifted and <clears throat> being put in a box or not being free to be that gift. So it's a, it's a wide range of things, but we, we know very clearly that we are at a time that something needs to shift. Uh, and now would be good, you know, <laughs> not later, <clears throat> but, um, but right now. And I have some good ideas about that. And I'm sure you do too. So if we ever get to call a, a meeting with, uh, President Obama, let's be sure and share and make sure that we get we get heard well in talking about the the angels and the um connection and the experience um do you feel that and it's just a thought but is it that they appear to you because they know you'll see them i mean um, do you see angels or are or, or do you think it's that people that is it like intuition the more you practice it the more you'll have that ability you think i think the more open you are to it you know it was uh the after the first anniversary it was the initial conversation i had and, and the book relays that story you know that story it called i call it the first confession and i i chose for t- a, a priest a particular priest that i had done a lot of work like with what you're talking about in youth violence prevention and he had become one of the his the agency it was the archdiocese of pittsburgh became one of the agencies that, co- that collaborated on um the 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 project the initiative that we all pulled together but i called him specifically because i had sought his counsel uh, uh a couple times before that as it related you know to my spirit and and not knowing what direction so when i went to see him i i said to father um you know i told him the story and then he said to me well what what is the problem why are you having such a you know a tough time of it and i said well i don't understand why me i'm like the you know the 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 tainted one according to you know the way i was raised and um he said to me do you remember who you know jesus christ was and i looked at him i thought he was being sarcastic and i said, well, yeah. And then he said to me, do you remember who he picked for his disciples? And I said, yes. He said he picked the murderers, the thieves, the tax collectors, and and everyone because he didn't see them on the outside. He saw the purity of what was inside and what they were capable of. And I said, well, okay. And then he asked me, was I familiar with God at all? And I said, well, of course. You know, I pray every day and as you already know I was raised you know and to believe in God and he said to me then you're telling me you know more than God that God looked down and saw your open heart and your open willingness to serve and so he made a mistake by choosing to allow you to see that and I looked at him and I said no he said at that moment he saw the purity of of what was contained and he also knew that you were strong enough that no matter what transpired, when the time was right, you would you would bear witness. And so me, again, I had to have that little bit of flipness to it. And I said, so in other words, he saw that I was still a good person. And then he knew I had a big mouth in one of these days. I would rally and tell the story. And we both laughed. And um, that's the part that I, I, what I have learned in this time is I believe we're all gifted. Where it changes is the openness and the willingness to see, hear, or feel. 
You know, if you if you look at many of the stories uh, from the Bible or even prior encounters, um, several of those have much to do with children, and that they, you know, saw the story of Bernadette, the story of they they were younger and more open. I think what happens is everyday life bears down on us, and those knowledge, skills, and abilities that come as a complete package of our soul kind of move away, just like when you're stressed out, the inability. I think what happened was in the midst of the, of the onset of the post-traumatic stress that my mind was so uh, shattered in several different directions that the only part of it that became balanced first was my spirit and my belief that what I saw was there. And that's how the book, the doctors told me to journal, and that's how the book was created. I'd only written down one chapter uh, the day of that first anniversary, even prior to seeing Father. I wrote down about the angelic encounter because I thought if something happened to me, there had to be testimony that that took place on on that, that field of infamy. Mm, that is so well I'm grateful that you're getting your story out in the world I want to remind everybody that you can go to Lily's website L-I-L-L-I-E Leonardi.com you can purchase her book there you can see her blogs and follow her online and the various things that she's doing I'm Temple Hayes and I just appreciate so much your involvement with Unity Online Radio we are truly a voice of an awakening world we delve deep into conversations just like this that broaden people's awareness and horizon and facilitate a process in which we can all participate in the world in a greater way and express the gifts like Lily said that we innately have all of us we'll be right back after this short break Affirm the good that flows within you and stretch to reach your divine potential with daily inspirational messages from Daily Word. The path to God is not long or difficult or complex. Wherever I am, whatever I am doing, I pause and bring awareness to the one spirit that is within me. I open my mind to the thought of one creative energy enlivening me in the world. I open my heart to the one love that is the essence of life. This love, God's love, is within us all. Spirit needs no books or rituals, wealth or architecture to reveal itself. It is as intimate as a touch and as vast as the infinity of space. I am at peace in the simple knowing that wherever I am, God is. Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. A one-year subscription to Daily Word Digital Magazine with audio is only $9.95. That's less than three cents a day to start your day right, centered and connected to the truth within you. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com. At the base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source, And each of us has a unique way of expressing that source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Rev. Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. 
And thank you, everyone, for participating today. I've been wanting for quite some time to have uh, a conversation about the events of 9-11. I recently was out to dinner with some friends of mine to discover that he was uh, a gentleman, Lily, that actually was going to be at the Trade Center that particular Monday. And on Sunday, just admitted to himself that um, some of the processes of the, of the company that they didn't have it together enough and he was unwilling to come and spend his time in that way uh, and told them that they needed to get a little further ahead in their process before he flew there and that very act itself in listening to himself um, probably spared his life because many of his colleagues were uh, tragically killed that day mm-hmm. but anyway more importantly I want to just acknowledge you and and the book that you've written and Hay House is doing a great job um, getting your story out there and in the world and you address so many things you you address the the what it looks like from the eyes as a gentle spirit but someone that wants to serve humanity as a police officer you also um, are stepping out in a place of of being heard and recognized uh, with the sacred story of the Blue Man Angel. And I think that taps into a lot of people. Just when you were sharing that, I was recalling, you know, times when I was little and voices speaking to me and, and mm-hmm. things. And I think that, um, you know, as we know, we're naturally born with that. And then, uh, either people older than us or people that don't have the experience invalidate our experience or tell us that's not possible and there's no such thing. And the sad thing about uh, our society often is we have people that don't know telling people like they know. (laughs) And the other sad part is the people that intuitively uh, are mystics that they listen to people that don't know, telling them that there's no way that they could know. And I couldn't say that again if you asked me to, Lily, but I know what I mean. <laughs> I got the gist of it, so I agree you know. with you. I, I I don't think, I think because we're, we're raised, you know, each in a, in a uh, you know, with our own beliefs and the moral centers and what come in with the family, um, I think that's, sometimes um, closes us to, because you're almost afraid to to step out. I mean, look at, as a result of my fear, I compounded, um, you know, the already existing stressful factors that were there as a result of of that day. Uh, One time, uh, my boss, who I had a, a, a wonderful boss I worked for um, at the Bureau for about two years, and he was the first one from the agency that I had uh, related about the angels. And it was the whole way back maybe in 2004. And um, I remember telling him, you know, what had transpired. And um, I could feel, um, you know, that my mind and my body weren't uh, the same. And um, he said he, at the time of 9-11, he was responsible for the Quantico Labs. So he was at um, all three sites, and he was coordinated the collection of all the evidence. So he spent, you know, months uh, in New York City, and uh, he also had the honor of uh, being liaison between the Bureau and the White House. And then he uh, was in the orig- the initial meeting with the families uh, when they all gathered in Washington, D.C. to discuss, you know, the events of that day and the investigation. And I remember two things with him. When I first asked him what his, his, his impression of the sites were, he said that all he could remember was um, the church, church sermons when they talked about ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And during an interview I did with him maybe about six months ago, um, we were we were talking about the he was discussing the investigative pieces, and then the closing question came from the host, and he asked, "Why did Ken believe me? Why had Ken supported me through all of this?" And he said that 
you know, he was raised um, uh, to be a Catholic, and he also believed in the existence of, you know, God and, and his angels, that they served as messengers and in intermediaries to humanity. And he said, if you knew Lily uh, like I do, you know her to be truthful even to a fault. She'll be the first one to run into the room and say, hey, boss, I think I messed up. We're about to, you know, get uh, some backlash from A, B, and C. He said, so I know her in that way. But what she doesn't know is on that day and in the days that followed that we received photographs not only from individuals but from reliable news sources that showed what appeared to be images of angelic beings and demonic beings and as part of the smoke, as part of, he said, and then we would get uh, information from people that thought their, their, their loved ones were dead, but yet they say that they saw them. You know, they would appear to them, sometimes say things, not things, he said. So that was all part of the investigative pieces that were brought together uh, to the Bureau. So um, that was the first time I heard that. But yet, um, in his relaying it, it was almost, there was that sense of comfort again, that I'm not the only one, that there's, you know, when every one of us, as I said in my belief, we all have the gifts. Mm -hmm. But when you use them and practice them every day, you have a tendency to lose friends and even family members that think you're, you know, you're very odd. And most of the, the individuals that I've been lucky to meet in this lifetime um, that also have this sense of, of being open to it have told me that's why you tend to isolate a little bit more than, than you know, every everyday people. And then um, you almost build a group of supportive individuals that are open to, you know, some of my family members still have a hard time with it. You know, I have a family member or two that, that despite the upbringing, don't even believe in the existence of God. So, oh yeah, uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's hard to relate. But what I always tell them, it's not my purpose here to change your free will or to make the choices for you. I'm just here to relay the message. How you choose and what you choose to do with it is up to you. Uh, the good Lord gives us free will and choice. It's not my place to to expect you to, you know, to do anything other than, than you know, in your own mind, in your own heart. Right. Well, you know, and welcome to the club. I mean, um, I have a number of family members that don't associate with me at all because I'm um, involved in, in unity. Um, and I'm a person that as of 26 years ago took a stand about alcoholism and admitted to my uh, allergy to alcoholism and took a lot of feedback from that um, mm-hmm. of people saying, you know, how can you say that and why would you possibly say that in front of people and, you know, all that. So it just often means that, I mean, you're stepping right into doing you know, what you were here to do, and it's so clear on the outside looking in that this is part of your path and that you are a difference maker instead of a difference taker, and my hat goes off to you uh, in every way. Looking forward to having you back in the in the heart of St. Petersburg again um, and being with us in our community here at Unity Campus and, and Wings Bookstore. Thank you so much, everyone, for participating in our show today with uh, Lily Leonardi. I want to remind you to go to her website, find out more, follow her blog. I'm sure that there's going to be another book coming um, around the corner. Lily, I'm quite confident that you are just beginning into the other levels of of your life. Thank you for uh, supporting all of us and giving us permission to look at you know, part of our culture and being part of the change and um, the best to you. Thank you, Reverend, and thank you to your listeners. And I look forward to seeing you and, and your congregation very soon. You bet. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. only takes a moment. If you are able to safely turn your attention away from the demands of your activities, quiet your mind and affirm, there is a divine plan at work in my life. I now relax, let go, and let it unfold. Listen attentively, inwardly, without projecting any thoughts about what you think should happen or be experienced. Become as a child. Trusting and receptive to the guidance of spirit within. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity. Oprah Winfrey says that Eric Butterworth's book, Discover the Power Within You, changed her perspective on life and religion. Maya Angelou quotes Emily Cady's Lessons in Truth as she recalls her own spiritual awakening. What do these books have in common? They share Unity's classic teachings. Join Reverend Laura Beth Gilbreth, Minister of Unity Transformation, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings. Follow along and contribute your thoughts, questions, and ideas as we examine these foundational teachings through the works of Unity authors past and present. Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Chris Michaels, host of Healing Your Life on Unity Online Radio, is an author, life coach, national speaker, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living in Kansas City, Missouri. Through his writing, coaching, and speaking, Chris has helped thousands of people understand the basic spiritual principles that govern our lives. In his book, Your Soul's Assignment, he reminds us that we each have something to do here on Earth, a unique purpose to our lives. If you're interested in discerning what is yours to do, are looking for practical spiritual principles to inspire your life, or coaching to provide you with the tools to live more fully, visit Chris's website at www.chrismichaels.net. That's www.chrismichaels.net. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, 
and motivational speaker. I know that feeling and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.